Hello, welcome to Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. Throughout this um, series, we're going to look at a lot of men's doctrines, a lot of religious teachings and observations that don't really align with the word, like um, God is the one that tempts us, that God um, chastens us so he can teach us something or teach us one thing, God puts sicknesses on us so we can learn this or teach us that, and a lot more. They believe that you're supposed to live for only 70 to 80 years. And a lot of other things. That faith that God brings up, brings um, that God sends to us trials, temptations, that God sends to us trials and all that difficulties so that we can be perfected. All those teachings don't really align with the word of God. So we're going to look at them one after the other. But today I feel that we should look at the story of the Bible that has also been misconstrued. That is the story of the three Hebrew boys, men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it has been said that the boys told the king, Nebuchadnezzar, that, well, if he chooses to throw them in the fiery furnace, the choice is God's, either to deliver them or not. But that is totally not what the Bible says. And that teaching is rooted in Christendom, that people believe that God chooses which of his children to take out of trouble. That is a lie because it is not consistent with the nature of God. If you look at that story and I believe the next 10 minutes you realize from the word that that is totally not what transpired. That those boys put their faith in God not only did they put their faith in God, they made a public declaration that God will save them. Join me. Hi, welcome back. So let's go to where the story is found. The Bible is in Daniel chapter 3. And of course, I'm sure you know the story. If you don't know the story, let me just give you a brief rundown of the story. There was a great king in the Middle East, in a nation called Babylon, where modern-day Iraq is today. And that great king, his name was King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar made a massive statue of himself and ordered his people to bow down and worship that statue whenever music is played because the emperors of those days saw themselves as God, that is small g God, and they always demanded worship. So it was also about the time when Babylon had taken into captivity um, the children of Israel, that is the southern kingdom, Judah, after they were defeated in a battle. And these three Hebrew children that were Daniel's friends, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego refused because they knew the law of the Lord that stated clearly, Thou shalt not bow to any graven image. They refused to worship that image. And of course, the king heard about it and got mad and sent for them in verse 13. And in verse 14, he asked them, Is it true that you don't worship the golden image I set up? And in verse 15, he said, okay, fine, I'm going to give you another opportunity to do that when you hear the music. 
you should bow and worship. But I'm going to read that verse 15 because that's where, you know, the foundation of everything lies in. If you miss verse 15, you're of course going to miss everything. So let's read it. Verse 15 says, Now, if you're ready, by the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and some tree, and some tree, in symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image. I'm reading from New King James Version. See, when you hear all these musical instruments in symphony and you bow down and worship the image which I have made, good. That's what the king said. So we're going to give you an opportunity when we play the music and you bow down to worship that image. Good. He now continued. He said, but if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Full stop. And the Bible now says, and who is the God who will deliver you? From my hands. You need to understand his statement to them. We play the music, you bow down, good. You don't bow down, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. Then let's see the God that will save you out of my hands. Now hear the response of the kids. Verse 16 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Say, so see, king, they said, hey, king, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Our mind is already made up. Verse 17, if that is the case, if that is the case, what is the case? Or rather, what case were they referring to? Verse 15, we play the music, you bow, good. You refuse to bow, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. That is the case they were referring to. I already said, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, no need to answer you in this matter. Why? They will not bow. So what case were they referring to? When you play your music, we will not bow. Because we will not bow. And you, king will throw us into the fiery furnace. If that be the case, see what they were saying. See what they said to the king. He said, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand because he said two things he said you don't bow we'll throw you into the fiery furnace so they responded to that they said hey our god is able he's powerful to deliver us from the fiery furnace the second thing he said is and who is the god who will deliver you from my hands? And they responded to that second part of his utterance by saying, And 
he will deliver us from your hand. There's two statements that those children made, that the men, the boys made to the king. We are definite statements. They were not statements of probability. They, were, they did say that God may save us if he wishes to, or if he chooses to, or he mightn't save us, depending on the mood he's in. That is not what the three boys said. They didn't make a probable statement about God choosing to save them or not. They affirmed. They knew for sure. They made a statement of faith. Utmost faith in not just God's ability, but God's willingness to save them. They first talked about his ability, and secondly, they talked about God's willingness to save them. So the two things I wanted to leave here with. You need to know God's ability. You need to be sure of his willingness to save you. Because his willingness has been stated in his word. He has shown himself willing to save you. God said, when you go through the flood, that is going to be there with you to take you out. He said, even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he said, he's there. He said, see, in this world, you're going to have trials, afflictions, troublesome times. He said, hey, no one thing for sure. I have overcome the world. God has stated it clearly in his word. He has given us that confirmation of his willingness to save us. That was the second thing those boys said to the king. First, they knew about God's power. Second, they knew about his willingness to save. And they made sure that Nebuchadnezzar knew those two things. And they stood on those two revelations about God. And see the next thing that happened. But if not, this is where the confusion in Christendom stems from. What we've been taught, even I, I was taught that, is that what the, the children said here, if not, is if God does not, does not save them. That's if God chooses not to save them. But that is not what they meant. They said, but if not, let it be known to you, O king. So what were they saying? What were they referring to as if not? That first condition he gave them. The first choice. You know, when you take some exams, you have what they call multiple choice questions, MCQs, or also what they call objective questions. So the king gave them two options. Option A is if you bow, good, you, you are fine. Then no, no, no trouble then. Then option B, choice B, was if you don't bow, we're going to send you to the furnace. What they were saying here, when they said, if not, they weren't calling God's power into question. Neither were they calling God's willingness to save them into question. They were referring to option A. If not, that is, if you choose not to kill us. They were not saying, if we do not bow, because they made it clear to him that they will not bow. But rather, they're saying, 
if you choose not to send us the fiery furnace, which is when the king said, good, I will not send the fiery furnace. He said, if not, that's if you choose not to send us into the fiery furnace because we still will not bow. They, we are also, they also did not compromise their stand, even before the king. They were fearless to stand on the laws of God. So he said, king, if you don't punish us because we still not bow, not if God does not save us. I'm going to prove that to you. So how are you sure that it was not, that that statement was not calling into question God's ability and willingness to save them? See why I said that. Say, if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. So they are not calling God's willingness not to save them. Because if they were calling God's willingness not to save them, that means they will be dead. And if they are dead, there is no reason to be telling the king, in death we won't worship your, your, your God. In death we won't worship your image. No. Because what is said after if not is that, hey, we are still alive because you chose not to throw us into the fiery furnace. But even in life, we will not still worship that molding image, that statue. We will not if you choose not to throw us into the fiery furnace. That is what they meant. That is exactly what they meant. Because if they were saying, okay, if not, if God chooses not to save us, so, oh, fine. We'll be dead because we'll be burnt up, yeah, because God chose not to save us. Uh, there will be no need to tell the king that we will not worship. Because they've already said that. So that is where the confusion comes from. That's where the confusion stems from. They were not calling into, they are not calling God's, willingness into question you are not saying god might or god mightn't no you are saying god will and they are sure he will another verse to confirm that remember two or three verses two or three scriptures two or three witnesses we don't make doctrines from just one verse at all we don't do that go further down after the shenanigans ended see what nebuchadnezzar said in verse 28 nebuchadnezzar spoke saying Blessed be the gods of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted, trusted in him. You can't have faith in God. You can't trust in God and you are giving God a choice. Or rather, you are, you are wondering. You are, I mean, you are having double mind about it. When you put your faith in God, when you trust God, there is no double-mindedness in it. Who trusted in Him? Because if you are saying, God might, God might. He loves me, He loves me not. He loves me, He loves me not. God might, God might. He might, He might. Depending on the mood God is in, that is not trusting in God. 
That is what James called a double-minded man. The Bible says in James chapter 1, he said, Let that man not think he will ever receive anything from God. If the children of if the three Hebrew children they are double-minded about God's ability and willingness to save them, guess what? They will not have received that salvation that day. Jesus will not have walked in their midst that day. But because of their 100% trust, 100% leaning on God's word, believing, knowing for sure that God has the ability to save them as well, has been willing to save them. Jesus showed up and walked in their midst as the fourth one. That is the confirmation. That is what happened there. They didn't call into question God's ability. Neither did they call into question God's willingness to save them. This is one story in the Bible that we need to have a deep revelation of and see that God will always come to your rescue. He will always come to save those that lean and trust in Him 100%. God bless you. See you at the next one.